1: Use the promo code Big
0: Blue. Blue Wire.
2: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneider. Joined as always by co-host Nick Filato. I think every other single time that I intro Nick in since we started the YouTube page, during that intro, he smiled. But this time, <laughs> obviously, there was no smile. Um, I don't think anyone would be surprised to hear that. Then just he just cracked a laugh there, but. I don't think anyone would be surprised to hear that. This was a dark day for Giants, I thought. Look, I went over to watch this game with my pops and my mom. We were excited. Here's the thing. I think we all are are well aware looking at these two rosters going into this game. The state of the Giants given their injuries, how this roster looked even before the injuries compared to the Eagles. They were outmatched in a lot of ways. This was not a like even talent matchup where like uh-oh, the Giants were just out Like they were blown out in this game, right? We we see the score, it was 21-0 nothing. Game was over, but then even when the Giants started to push a little bit back, 27-14, Eagles re-blew them out. And so it was like, what? 48-14. I don't even know the final score. 48-21. There was a garbage time TD with Tyrod, but 22. But 22. Yeah. They went for the two and they got, yeah. 44-22. Mm-hmm. But um the thing is this, like we, I didn't go into this thinking, oh, the Giants are as talented or the Giants should win this football game or the Giants need to win this football game. But I did think like, OK, look, just a few weeks ago, Nick, the Washington football team beat the Philadelphia Eagles. They came into that game. They gave it their best game they possibly had. Everything went right for them in that game, Washington. But they stepped up for that big game, and they knew the consequences. They said, we can beat this team, and we did. And great things happened for them that night. I'm not saying they can repeat themselves. I don't think Washington is going to beat Philly if they play them again or in the playoffs or anything like that. But that day it happened, and they showed themselves capable. I came out of this game thinking the Giants are not capable of competing with this Eagles team, even if everything goes right. And that's why it's such a dark day. It's not that the Giants lost this game. or not that It's not that like, oh, my God, they're so talented. How could they lose a game to the Eagles team? The Eagles had a better offensive line today. The Eagles had better wide receivers, better quarterback play, better running back play, to be completely honest. Miles Sanders looked great out there. Better defensive line, even though the Giants' defense line was like the one bright spot, the pass rush. Better linebackers, better secondary. As Carl Banks said today, and this is the most amazing thing. I didn't even know this. I didn't even have to think about this one. There's only two defensive backs who played for the Giants today who were in camp, who were in training camp. Two, dude. This is a team that wants to use five, six defensive backs at one time on a play. They don't want to use linebackers. They don't have linebackers to use. And that just kind of shows a win. the talent deficiency on offense is bad. I get it. There's The receivers suck. The line is, is still not great. But on defense, man, that's where it really stands out. The secondary is a total joke right now. They have guys like Carl said who aren't even in camp who are now playing key roles. And the linebackers are just as bad, if not worse. And so there's just no talent. I get that. But Washington, to me, doesn't have that much more talent than the Giants. That's the part that hurts for me, Nick. Because Washington went toe-for-toe with the Eagles. They beat the Eagles. We didn't even come close. And that's kind of like the only – that's where their disappointment seeps in, especially for me, Nick, because I want – okay, look. I'll wrap it up here. I, if the Giants make the playoffs, and they still could, they can beat Washington next week. Great. I'm happy it happens. It can help build some momentum, help move the program forward, and most importantly for me, at least, because I'm not the hugest believer in in the like in uh, the what's it called the culture. I like the culture, but I don't love the culture, and I do think playoffs is is a boost to the culture. But it's it, I'm not sure of the carryover. But you get Daniel Jones playoff experience. That's what I really want to see. But at the same time, dude, I wanted to go into the playoffs thinking if we're on our best game, we can beat the Eagles. We can beat the Niners. We can beat the Vikings, all those teams. I don't want it to be we can beat the Washington football team to get into the playoffs. But then when we face a team right away, we get blown out or we have a game like we had today because that to me is not worth that much. Ultimately, I know to some people it's worth a lot and I and I respect that and I appreciate it and I'll be happy to but I always want more. I want them to be like I, in the beginning of the season, Nick, when we were seven and one or six and whatever it was, I felt like I didn't want to say it, but I did kind of feel like, Hey, you know what? I see some things that make me be like on a good day. We can beat the Eagles on a good day. We can beat blah, blah, blah. I mean, I never really felt it with Mahomes and Allen. That's a whole different breed for me, but the Eagles, the Niners, those types of teams. But today it just didn't look like that at all. Unfortunately. No, not at all. And dude, Going back to when the Giants were six and one, even against
1: Jacksonville, we really saw the chinks in the armor, right? Like we, we started to see, wow, teams are really catching on to running outside against us. And these linebackers cannot stop any sort of counter, any sort of power gap. And look at this game. How many yards did the Eagles end up rushing for? They rushed for 253 yards, wow. 144 by Miles Sanders. And honestly, a lot of it was in the second half. I felt like some of it wasn't garbage time. The Giants weren't horrendous in the first half, kind of stopping the run, but they couldn't get anything going on offense, right? And the biggest turning point in this game was three plays that weren't consecutive, but were consecutive if you're just looking at one side of the football. It was the touchdown pass on the fourth and seven by Jalen Hurts to devonta smith where julian love just misjudged it as he said after the game he misplayed the ball that happens it's uncharacteristic of julian love to to make that type of mistake so i'm willing to overlook that right but then jamie gillen after the giants have to punt because the giants offense can't really do anything right now jamie gillen has that drop punt takes the penalty the very next play jalen hurts comes back throws a 33 yard touchdown to aj brown And the Giants are down 21, nothing like that. And at that point, we're like, holy crap. The Eagles opened up this game with a 14 play 84 yard drive that was capped off by that Miles Sanders touchdown. The Giants on their first two drives actually had a solid play to start the drive. They had that 13 yard rush by Gary Brightwell. Great blocking to the play side. Andrew Thomas took the linebacker.
2: Really decisive cut by Brightwell.
1: A great run by Gary Brightwell right there. But then what happens? They bogged down. They can't do anything. Their entire passing attack is centralized around their rushing attack, and their rushing attack is wildly inefficient right now. So what is this football team going to do? No one wants to back up into the playoffs, Dan. No one wants to do that. The Giants are doing this. They were 6-1 and at one point, and they lost to Seattle, went into a bye week. We're like, yeah, we lost to Seattle, whatever. We got Houston. We got Detroit coming up, and everything has just been terrible since that point.
2: Yeah. And they, even then after Houston, they were seven and two, it felt really impossible not to make the playoffs. And, you know, I think one thing that you brought up that really stands out to me right now, I feel like the giants have a bit of an identity crisis because I understand this idea. Like you look at your team, you look at, and you're Brian Dable and your Mike Kafner like, when we were six and one, we were six and one because of Saquon Barkley. That's true. They were six and one because of Saquon Barkley, but the NFL is a league that adjusts. The NFL is a league that watches film and does things differently and starts to have more of a sample size they can use against you. And so they were able to take away a lot of why the giants were a Saquon Barkley team, because what you said is true. The giants are trying to be a team right now, at least on the offensive side of the ball. The defense is a whole other issue. The defense to me is just purely a lack of talent. That secondary is not good. Like we can praise Nick McLeod on tape. He looked pretty good. But I, I, he's a nice guy that we could like have for a, a CB4, CB5. You can't have those types of guys out there for every snap, though. Even Fabian Moreau, who was great earlier in the year. Great, but not really great. It's not like Darius Slay great, right? It's not like Patrick Sertan great. It's like but, great for what it is.
1: The thing about Fabian Moreau, too, and when he came in, we're like, yeah, man, he's playing really well. But like, I think we even mentioned on past podcasts, like usually these types of guys who are journeymen, they're journeymen for a reason. It right. ends up catching up to you. And this is the second consecutive game by Fabian Moreau that it was an issue on tape where you could see him getting beat. You could see him physically holding like those weren't bogus penalty. Calls. No, those
2: are real penalties.
1: Yeah. You can't do that against a guy like AJ Brown. He's physically outmatched. There's a reason why he's been available so much throughout his career.
2: Yeah, exactly. And he has had times after his career, by the way, where he's had bad patches, where he's given up a ton of yards and big plays. So, The defense to me, it's a simple story in my mind. I think Wink, if anyone's turned the page on Wink, you'll be very disappointed or you'll be very excited next year when things turn around. If the Giants are, I mean, still only one offseason, still just one free agency and one draft, but hopefully you can find some defensive pieces. I know everybody's like, go receiver, go offensive line. That's all you can do. Well, they got to do something about linebacker. And honestly, they got to do something about the secondary because if this is what it looks like when some injuries hit, it's unacceptable. You cannot have this type of As Carl Banks said, two guys, man. How insane is that? There's only two guys left playing today who were in training camp. Like, what the F is that? That's insanity right there is what that
1: is. It's crazy. Think about the conversation, Dan, that we had so many times on this podcast. It's like, wow, if an injury happens to Aaron Robinson or Adoree Jackson, we're screwed. Both of those guys have been out for several weeks now. And the crappiest part about Adoree Jackson, that was very preventable which is the biggest oversight by Brian Dable and Xavier McKinney, too. Huge injury to this team, a preventable injury, just a dumb mistake by a team captain on vacation. And now look at the Giants. They're they're watching their playoff chances slip through their fingers. And now they have a Sunday night football game where the Giants historically, at least recently, suck in prime time. And they got to play a Washington team that they can beat. They can beat Washington. But right now they are completely backpedaling. And even though both of these teams, they tied last time Washington played, they tied the Giants. Giants just lost to Philly, but they tied Washington the week prior. It felt like a loss for the Giants. So, so much rides on this upcoming game on Sunday Night Football.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. And so, sorry, I didn't mean to to, to diverge there, but the no, defense you. to me, it's understandable. I like, can see the picture. I understand what's going on there. I know what's the problem. The offense to me, it's, I can still see it. But to me, they're potentially it's it's potentially there's potentially because, like, I understand where they're at as a brain trust right now. D'Abel and Kaep. They're like, I, look, yes, we, we understand. You guys want us to try something different. But if you want us to, we have this offensive line we don't trust. We have this quarterback who who's playing well with with the system we gave him. Like, Daniel Jones played great this year and made a lot of progress. But a lot of that progress was with what? When he rolls to his right, he was more patient, Right. When he when he see, doesn't see what he likes right away, instead of locking onto a read, which was the old thing he used to do, sit, sit, sit in the pocket. Look, he takes the B gap right away and he runs. Those are all good things, but those are not part of anything that they can rely on. If you're going to try to, like, change it over to it can be a pass first offense. So the identity right now is to be a run first team through Barkley. But their running game sucks because they can't block. So you have to at some point change it up and they started to a little bit this game you saw a little bit early with like the slant flat combo on the second play of the game for a big play even on some other drives start, started to see them go to the gun started to see them move the ball a little bit through the air Isaiah Hodgins I thought looked great against I am a big fan of his I think he is a good player and someone I'm very happy they have on their roster that's the type of player I like but they're in a tough spot because they don't trust this offensive line and you see it man like they try to, when they start to go a little pass heavy, what happens? Immediately a sack. Though I will say this. Some of the sacks, like the early sack they had in that game, were from under center. That's the thing. I still think Daniel Jones has proven in the past, in his time with Pat Shermer at least, and his time at Duke, that he can operate quick game out of the gun. That's what he did at Duke. He was not an under center quarterback. He was a gun quarterback. He was mm-hmm. a gun quarterback for a lot of the time with Shermer. There was not a lot of under center stuff there. Put him back in the gun. I understand you don't like the pass, bro, but I'm at the point, Nick, where this is not working. Saquon Barkley's not playing well anymore because that's the thing I'll say. like you, ha- When you see Gary Brightwell come in and hit that hole like that, dude, I don't know, man. I don't know if Saquon Barkley— If you had Saquon Barkley in that exact play, I'm not positive that Saquon Barkley gets that exact gain and and is as decisive and hits it. And that's not just to knock him. He's had some decisive runs this year, but it just felt like a little bit different with Brightwell in there. I can't explain it. And so— That's not going to be the case. Like Barkley is your offense. It's not like they're moving in bright well, and they shouldn't. But at this stage, Nick, it's like you got to try. So I'm at the point where I'm just like, even against Washington, go to the gun, man. Do what you did in overtime. Let Jones run quick game because he can run quick game with Hodgins. He can run with Slayton because we got a lot of what we asked for. What did you ask for in the preview, Nick? You asked for two things. You asked for them to mix in more shotgun quick game. And you asked them to take a deep shot early to open up defense. They took a deep shot early to Hodgins, and they mix in some quick game. And even despite you getting what you asked for, they weren't even in this game. Like, what does that say?
1: One thing it says that Philadelphia Eagles, and I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast know this, these two rosters aren't comparable whatsoever. The Eagles are a much better football team than the New York Giants right now. That is not a novel take. But on that first drive, Dan. The Giants were running the football, and they, were, and they were doing well. Like you said, they hit, um, I think, Hodgins for a 14-yard gain on the second and six. Next play, what do they do? They try a play-action pass. Sack. Loss of seven yards. Two plays later, what happens? Right. Sack loss of two yards. The pass protection remains a big issue. That's why I think quick game, because I, I don't believe either of those sacks were on quick game. I would have to watch that. I would imagine it was the, definitely
2: under center play. Actually. It
1: was definitely under center and third and 17. You're not running quick game anyway. Yeah. So I'm imagining that was not right. We'll review on the tape, no matter what, but Andrew Thomas got beat around his edge. The tackles didn't play well. In this game, Andrew Thomas struggled with Josh Sweat, who to me is a very underrated pass rusher in the national football. I loved him back at Florida State. Florida he was State, one of my. Yeah. I, I was I like, you have
2: injuries, right? He just kind yeah, of, yeah.
1: He had a, he had a ton of injuries at Florida state. I was yeah. all over that kid, man. I, I loved his tape. And that was my first introduction to Brian Burns was when I was studying Josh mm. sweat. I was like, who the hell is yeah, 99? Burns, Burns
2: <laughs> tape at Florida state was so fun.
1: I was like, who is this kid? And he yeah, was like was a, a sophomore or something like that. But yeah, uh, I digress with, with that point, but Giants can't do anything if they, if they can't move the football and if they can't get a quick game passing attack going, cause we've seen it in spurts over the last two games. Like, Oh wow. They hit the slant flat. Oh wow. They're hitting that quick stick route. Right. When Daniel Bellinger turns around the balls right there. And Daniel right. Jones has been operating that offense. I would say at a solid rate, it has not been bad. Daniel Jones has not been struggling, but every time they stray away to try to work that play action, it's just not really working right now, unless it's a rollout or something like that. Those, they, they still hit but. I would like to know the hit rate of it because I feel like the Giants hit rate in the beginning of the year and we can even exclude Chicago's debacle of them never guarding Daniel Jones. Uh But even without that, The Giants would have a high hit rate on those play action bootlegs. It could be like a five yard gain with Daniel Jones' legs. And it was like, okay, that's that's a solid gain right there. You know, we can, we can, we can do something with that. But right now, man, like I just feel like that hit rate is so much lower. Everybody's tracking on what Mike Kafka is attempting to do. And every time Mike Kafka tries to do something else that is not quick game, it's just not working.
2: Yeah, that's that's the biggest issue right there because you see even in a game like this, shout out Dougie Analytics. He said he tweeted, I mean, he was like, look, Daniel Jones had, he showed me some stats. One of them was average intended air yards in this game was 5.9, which is lower than his 6.6 uh, average intended air yards on the season, which is to begin with 37th of 39 quarterbacks in the NFL with 105 attempts at least. So it was even lower than that. But to me, it's like, I, I see that stat, and I'm like, okay, uh, trust me, I want some air yards in this offense, but I don't think that's that all that possible right now with the way the offensive line is playing, and with the fact that they really only have one separator at receiver in Slayton. So I am fine with a low air yard attended air yards average over the rest of the season, as long as that means I get more, I get more shotgun, I get more quick game, I get more eleven personnel.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Everyone appreciates a thirst-quenching beverage that looks like a beer can, but it's actually mountain spring water and that look of a beer can may give other people the perception that you're cooler than you actually are but this product i'm referring to is obviously liquid death it's refreshing it has multiple flavors and it will help kill probably brutally plastic pollution i've tried liquid death and it is thirst quenching when i'm parched it hydrates me so give it a try and if you would like to do that go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBay. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBay. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download BetWin. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at WinBet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. Let's just call a spade a spade at this point. If the Giants can't fix this run game, they're screwed. Like they need to fix this run game. They don't have enough in their arsenal to successfully pass the football. Yeah, you can operate quick game and you can and you can get, you know, six yards, four yards, five yards, and that's good, all well and good. It's gonna catch up to you eventually. You need yeah, to be able to we keep saw it with you. Jason
2: Garrett. You're right. You're hundred yeah. percent right, Nick. Exactly. Even if I want say right now, I want that more, I want this, I want to see them do it. Like you said, there is no, there's no long-term ceiling to that because it's just Jason Garrett's system all over again. I <laughs> know the limitations, but that, so that's not even something that can work, which is a big problem in its own self. Um, speaking more on the offense before we get to some of the other topics. I thought this was a really interesting stat. Gary Brightwell today had his third run of 10 plus yards. That equals the exact same amount that Saquon Barkley's had since the bye week, and we obviously all know Brightwell's had like a tenth or a fifteenth of the carries. Barkley's yards per av- yards per carry average has dipped consecutively in every single week, or not in every single week. It's been under the average mark that it was from the first half of the season every week since the bye week, starting with Houston dipping insanely low against the Lions, then below that average against the Cowboys, below against Washington, below against the Eagles. I haven't seen him. I don't know what it is going on with Barkley. I know he's injured and he's playing through an injury, but has Europe, I mean, we we never really gave any kind of definitive opinion on this one way or another, but what do you think is going on with the Saquon Barkley situation? And does this change your opinion at all, what to do when the off season comes?
1: Like, I don't think the Giants should make Saquon Barkley the highest paid running back in the league, but I would like to keep Saquon Barkley, but I think I have a certain price and we all know that the NFL is a market and the market has been dictated by Christian McCaffrey's contract. Saquon Barkley. You know, a couple games ago, he had a really good argument to be like, I'm going to get more than that. Right now, if this continues in the path that it is, him being dinged up, him being 50-50 going into game, him averaging 3.4 yards per carry, him with today, 3.1 yards per carry, the entire rushing attack is ineffective. And yes, a big reason for that is this offensive line. But can he really justify getting the biggest contract with that. But again, it's a market. Some other team might be willing to pay that. And if that's the case, I think the Giants should let him go. But I'm not opposed to bringing him back on something that is a little bit more conservative than Christian McCaffrey's contract. So I think that's kind of where I am. But that's where I was even when he was bawling out of his mind. It was just a little bit more unrealistic at that point.
2: Yeah, as long as we're talking big picture things, then it's good to touch on them sometimes from time to time. I do I agree. I think for me, at least the early season success from Barkley actually like lightened me up and like softened me up a bit and got me like breaking my shell a bit. Like, okay, maybe I can get on board with like a three year deal at 17 million each year against the cap, or he wants 19 million. Fine. Let's just do it and see what happens. And then it's only a three year deal or something like that. But I think the second half of the season, what I've seen since has actually like completely flipped me and and made me realize, Oh shit, wake up, dude. Wake the hell up. You always knew it was about the offensive line. You knew all along the offensive line is everything in a run game. And even you just said it there, like, it's not his fault. The offensive line, okay, well, so what? That tells me everything I need to know. Actually, It almost works in the opposite way for me. It's like, oh, it actually confirms for me why I don't want to spend salary cap space on this position. Because I understand what happens with this position. It's an attrition position. They wear down, especially if you're the entire offense like it was. I always kind of knew, like, what are you laughing at?
1: It's an attrition position. Yeah,
2: it's an attrition <laughs> I always kind of position. knew, like, I knew all along. We knew all along. It's not like we're, like, I feel like I'm, like, almost like I was fooled for a second, but we knew all along that running back was a position that has a short shelf life. We knew all along, even honestly, to be honest, Nick, when we were 6-1 and one, and the whole reason we were 6-1 and one was because of Saquon Barkley, we always kind of knew, like, this is not a, a Super Bowl formula, right? This is not something you can repeat for the next five years. Like, we'll be a Saquon Barkley team, right? How the hell is that going to work? That's never worked in like the last 10 to 15 years. There's been no running back based team. That's not a thing. You don't consistently compete for Super Bowls behind a running back. You can see it. Consistently compete for Super Bowls behind a quarterback and an offensive line. That's obvious. That's football. It's one on one. It's what we've been preaching. That's what we've been watching. That's what we know. It's a truth that not every GM follows, but it's a truth every GM should follow. So For me, I've kind of swung back into realizing and recognizing where we're at with this situation, and I'm just not going to lose sleep. If they re-sign him, whatever. If they don't, I'm not going to lose sleep over losing a running back when that money could go to offensive line, that money could go to linebacker, that money can go to cornerback, that money can go to other positions that, to me, will impact. Especially, look, Brightwell comes in and looks pretty damn good. Damon Pierce comes in from the fourth round, looks pretty damn good. The story of these fourth-round success stories over and over, year after year, Hit, 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 hit. What are they under contract for? $900,000 against your cap a year. Or you pay $19 million against the cap for Barkley. It's so tough when you look at it like that. And it's not like receiver. It's not like offensive line. There are actually a lot of hits on day three at this position running back. So I've I've, I've kind of swung back into it, and we'll see what happens. But as we get to that point where we will have to make those decisions on the pod and give our opinions because people will be asking them, I feel like I'll definitely be leaning toward I'm okay letting Barkley go. Or franchise tag and trading him. Jones is the more interesting one. I've leaned more. Th- I, if you had to ask me today, what I would rather, I would rather Jones than Barkley.
1: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll touch on the Jones thing in a second. But Dan, do you know who the leading rusher was today for the New York Giants? How pathetic this is.
2: Was it not Daniel Jones? Oh, no, Daniel Jones didn't even have that. No, it wasn't run.
1: Daniel Jones? it
2: might have been Tyrod Taylor because of his long run. It was, was yeah. freaking
1: Tyrod Taylor. Taylor run.
2: by Tyrod.
1: So well, he had two carries for forty yards. Everyone. One of those carries was 32 yards. If it was just that carry, he would have been the leading rusher. That's how ineffective this rushing attack is. And now just think back to the games against Jacksonville, the games against Tennessee, the games against Green Bay and Chicago, and all of those wins from the beginning of the season. They were running the football. This team can't run the football right. and that is one reason why they can't pass the football and we were saying that back at that time as well and it's just it, it's really really frustrating at this point because you're at your breaking point now you started hot and I think you tweeted something Dan that I completely agree with it's something that Carl Banks said about look you have to look at the big picture of this this is the first year of a rebuild nobody expected the New York Giants to be in playoff contention right now so you always got to take that step back but When the Giants were six and one, seven and two, and you had the playoffs kind of just sitting right in front of you. And now we're just kind of reaching for it. We're like, oh man, are we even going to get there? It it does kind of seem like just a colossal failure and a letdown. And I don't know how fair that is. Actually, no, I think it is fair to actually look at it that way. But at the same time, I do think we should take that step back as you tweeted and said, hey, look, this is a long process. There's going to be a lot of turnover coming here and we're in good hands. And I still believe that.
2: Yeah, I want to touch on that as like the key, a key talking point in a moment because that's kind of circles it back, but I do I want to touch on one more thing with the with the Barkley situation. So today he had nine total carries, one run went for 5 yards or more, seven went for between 0 and 5 yards, seven of the nine, and then one was a negative run. I mean, that's where we're at right now. They're not producing in the run game. Barkley himself is not producing. And on the flip side of the ball, the Eagles offense produced a this is also according to Doug Analytics. The Eagles' offense produced a 0.44 EPA per play against the Giants, including a 0.68 EPA per rush. 0.44 EPA ranks in the 99th percentile of all offenses since 2010. That is absolutely insane, right there. They had almost like a perfect game on offense against the Giants' defense. That I did not expect to happen. Washington. Stop the Eagles offense. When Washington made their big upset on Monday night, they stopped the Eagles offense. They slowed them down. They won that game with defense. The Giants, a team that was winning games with defense earlier this season, I felt like. Some offense, too. Barkley was great. They had the pass game, like you said, built off the run game. The action, the play action slides were actually open instead of, like, today, like we saw, immediate hit. And we saw last week, too. Those Those plays are just done. I think if I'm Kafka at this point, I'm just like, F it, I'll use that maybe once per game max at this point because defenses are just not going to give up that slide receiver coming over. They're just right there ready. Because why would they back up? There's nothing to back up for. There's nothing to play off for on the Giants. Keep If you're a defense, you just, just crowd the line of scrimmage against the Giants. There's literally no reason not to at this point. But with that said, the Eagles had a perfect game on offense. Just that part to me is crazy. I really felt like this defense could have potentially given a little bit more, especially because it did feel like early on, dude, the pass rush was still there. Z's looked good. We'll see on film if that's true. Thibodeau looked good. I thought he had the hold, the big hold. Yeah. And then he had a couple other rushes. So I still think there was something there. It wasn't Crowder. Uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't Lawrence's best game, at least on broadcast. We'll see if that what that looks like on tape. Um, and it's a tough matchup, obviously, for him. There, this is one of the better centers he's gonna face all year. But it's so
1: difficult to even get pressure on a on a quarterback like Jalen Hurts because yeah. he can run at all times, like We said this before the game. Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, both of them are speed rushers. Both of them, their best move is to win high side around the outside shoulder of the opposing offensive tackle. But when you do that, you lose contain. And I felt like Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau were able to do enough while not also losing contain a ton in this game. I didn't feel like Jalen Hurts had a bunch of scrambling plays off of broken containment. It was some designed runs that the Eagles just blocked up really well up front.
2: Yeah, they did block it up really well up front. They're a really good team, man. The talent level was obviously there, but let's transition to what you just mentioned before. The thing that you said that I was talking about after seeing a Carl bank suite, it is really important to see the forest through the trees. I always feel like, and that's taking that 30,000 foot view right now. Things are bleak. Like the Giants started six and one. They may somehow miss the playoffs now that's, and they were seven and two at one point that sucks. And they gave us hope at the beginning, but overall Here's what they came in to work with. This wasn't the same as Jerry as Dave Gettleman taking over Jerry Reese. Why was it not the same? Because immediately when Dave Gettleman took over, he had a shit ton of cap space and he spent it. He spent it like a madman. He took Nate Solder and gave him one of the biggest. I think it was at the time the biggest contract ever for an all-sign. He signed Patrick Omame, who was a nobody. He saw two games of his tape that he liked. And he said, I'll give you a, like a multi-million dollar deal through three years. Amami was so bad, he had to cut him in his first season with the Giants, take on the dead cap hit. Amami had one more stint with the Jaguars out of the NFL. He also had one more big signing that I'm forgetting. I think it was Traded for Ogletree and then re signed Ogletree after trading for him. Another guy who was out of the NFL and was a horrific decision. Those were some of the, like just truly horrific personnel evaluations right there by somebody sold or Amame and, and Ogletree. And Jonathan Stewart was signed that offseason just for horrific evaluations. He's almost a
1: friend of the podcast, he's been on once.
2: No, Jonathan Stewart is a friend of the podcast. I forgot about well, it. Well, no, no,
1: no. In order to be a friend of the podcast, you got to be on twice. Well, now, I, feel Anthony, bad. I
2: hope he's not listening because that was not Of course a nice not. But Anthony if is,
1: Armstrong, if Anthony Armstrong comes on this week, he's a friend of the podcast. All right. Yeah. Jonathan Stewart's just an
2: acquaintance. Yeah. He's only been on one time. Fair <laughs> enough. I, I respect it. But and no, there's no disrespect to him. He's just, he was older in his career. We all know what happened there. But having said that, he had a ton of cap space to work with versus Shane, who came in and Gettleman. Dropped 55 million in dead cap. That means 55 million of the Giants cap space this year, which is almost like I think it's a two-hundred million cap or around that. So like literally like a freaking fourth of their cap space was just dead players not on the roster that they can't spend that aren't actually contributing for this year. Start right. with that, right? And then you also have the inherited roster, which has like a Kadarius Tony, which you can get nothing out of, a 2019 first-round pick on Baker, which you're getting nothing out of and so on and so forth. So to even get to the point where you're competing for the playoffs this year, to me, is progress. To me, is looking good, especially when you when you take in what's left on the defense right now. Just We knew it wasn't that talented going into the season. It really had no margin for error on an injury front, and it got really injured. So I think it is really important to just kind of think of it from that and understand this is just year one of Shane's rebuild. Now, I would personally think Hopefully he does a little bit better in the offseason. Glowinski is looking like a massive bust signing. And I looked up some of the other free agent guards, Nick, and all of them are playing better than Glowinski is. That sucks. So that's something just to think about, because he was not somebody we wanted, by the way. When we were doing our free agent previews, we did not mention Glowinski. We had Daniels do we like. We had other guys that we like. And then they signed Glowinski and we're like, all right, let's take a look into this guy. It's basically how we approach it, if we're going to be honest. And we looked into him we're like, he has some good run blocking with the Colts, with Nelson on the other side. And a good center, Ryan Kelly, like he had some good run blocking. It like also had Fisher, Nelson, Braden Smith, and um Kelly on his offense. Like he was the fifth kind of wheel in that. And yeah. now we're seeing when you put him on an offensive line like ours that really only has one stud in Andrew Thomas. Well he can't really compete and he looks awful and things like that. So he had a bad run blocking rep in this one
1: too. And it sucked. Yeah. It was a kick out block on a power gap concept where he was kicking out the end man on the line of scrimmage. And he just this is something he does, man. He has such a soft shoulder. The the end man on the line of scrimmage ran right through his outside shoulder and blew the play up, backside pursuit defender. They both rallied and tackled Saquon Barkley. But if he executed that block and kicked that guy out. Saquon Barkley would have had three blockers in space with like a safety and a linebacker. It, it was it was beautiful looking if that block was executed and if Saquon Barkley could have outran the backside pursuit defender, which I'm good, just going to imagine that he could have. So Mark Lewinsky has been been devastating so far in yeah. the last, I would say, since the bye week, really. I mean, he struggled a little bit in Seattle. I think he surrendered, I think his second sack of the season. I Think he had a sack against Carolina, had a sack against Seattle, and then since then, it's been it's been really bad for Mark Lewinsky. It's just uh. Is Bettison going to be healthy enough to come back? Yeah, right. That's the problem. You
2: know, like. Don't really have much else to work with right now. And also when it comes to like the signing originally anyway in the offseason. It's like he didn't have, that was part of my point. He didn't have much cap space to work with. He didn't really have an opportunity to get a James Daniel. Like Those guys were a little priced out of his range. If we look back,
1: right. Do you remember the conversation after the 2020 season? What we needed to do for Daniel Jones, right? It was, we need to get him playmakers. He's throwing the football to Damian Ratley. We can't have that. We used to say that all the time on this podcast, and we were correct. Dave Gettleman's playmakers that he brought in, and I'm not sitting here just to shoot on Dave Gettleman. This is just the reality of the situation. Signed Kenny Galladay. We see how that transpired. Drafted Kadarius Tony, not even on the team. The guys that were brought in to rectify the situation that plagued Daniel Jones early in his career aren't contributing anything right Right. now. And it was a first round pick and a 70 plus million dollar contract. You don't see that
2: often. insane. No, it's very rare to have that, those kinds of misses obviously. And, and that's kind of goes to Carl's point and my point and your point, like we can sit here and criticize them for looking pathetic and awful and out of the, and not even like in the game against the Eagles. But when you just think about all of the things that played into this, you go for you. You spend two major assets on these playmakers and they're not even playing for you at this point, right? You have Xavier McKinney, your leader, of your defense. He's not even playing for you. Dory Jackson, you spent a major free agent contract on last off season. broke out last year, in my opinion, got even better this year. He's not even playing for you. So that's the thing. Like we're just at a point where we just don't have much left. We were winning with smoke and mirrors earlier. We were winning with really good coaching. Wink was coaching great. And now Wink's like. How can I coach this defense? What do I even have out there at linebacker and in the secondary? And I think, honestly, like we have some good cornerstones on defense. Dexter, Aziz, and Tibbs, not a lot of teams have Dexter, Aziz, and Tibbs right now on their roster at that age range for three players on a defensive front. That's exciting to me. Adori is exciting, but Adori to me is a little older. Adori has an injury history. Xavier McKinney is exciting too. So That's a fourth really good piece on a defense. At full health, I think Wink can coach up a really strong defense. But right now, this is not that defense. They don't have their two best players in the secondary. So how do you expect them to compete? And that's the that's kind of an issue of at least where we're at right now. But, you know, man, I still think forest through the trees. See the forest through the trees. Like, we're in a better position than we were. We see some things we like about the coaching, especially if they can improve some – areas of their roster from a personnel standpoint. They still have their, all their draft picks for this year. They didn't trade any of those away. They're going to have a ton of cap space. They won't, if they re-sign Barkley and Jones, but they, if they, and we'll see what happens with that, but they're going to have some cap space going into it with all these free agents. So I still think the long-term view has not really changed much for me. It's the short term. Can they make the playoffs? Can they make noise? That's the part where if I'm being honest with the fans right now and with you, Nick, it's not the same as it was for me earlier this season. I was like, I got to be honest with you, dude, if they do this and this and this, this starts to get better. We could beat the Eagles. We could beat the Niners because we looked pretty damn good to me in those first seven games. But now when you don't even compete at home against the Eagles in a game where you're building up to it, right, you have the moment. You can you can make this a big game. Washington made When Washington upset the Eagles three weeks ago or whatever that was, they made that a big game, right, in the locker room during the week. They talked about it. We, we could have a chance to knock out the Eagles tonight, and they did it. The Giants could have made this a big game, but they didn't. And so that's that's the thing. I I don't know how we quantify this, Dan, but to me,
1: I I felt like it didn't really matter. The Giants were going to lose this game and they were not that the coaching or that anybody was telling the team to look ahead to Washington, but the game was really Washington. Like they had that bitter taste in their mouth basically losing even though it was a tie against Washington they had that game in their hands so many different times they shot themselves in the foot ends up being a tie they go on a bye week and now the giants are fed to the Philadelphia Eagles who apparently you know just chewed up the New York Giants 48 to 22 like what the heck are they going to do and now you have this Sunday night football game against Washington that it's it's not a win and get in situation we're a little bit premature for that but if the giants will lose that i don't think the giants make the
2: playoffs no, they're almost definitely not going to make the playoffs. if so They lose that.
1: It's and they got bailed out a little yeah. bit this week because Seattle, yeah, I mean,
2: Seattle stupid loss helps them. Yeah.
1: And dude, did you realize if Carolina wins every game, they win out, they win that division. Wow. I did not realize that. That's the, that has to be more disgusting than the NFC's last season. Maybe not in 2020, but
2: last season, I would wish you don't have time to do any of this stuff, but I would love to hear, like, see if you had four, if you had like at, 15 hours to dedicate to this, which you don't. And I'm not asking you to do this to watching Carolina's offense the last month, because I'm so curious how they're able to run the ball so successfully. Cause I don't think they have all that much talent offensive line wise. And I remember watching the game against us. Their offensive line looked terrible. Dante Foreman to me is like not some kind of transcendent talent or anything like that. And they just were chewing up yards against Seattle on the ground today. This is a Seattle run defense that we couldn't even move the ball against in the run game. So it's just like wild to me to see some transition of some teams and the evolution of some of these teams.
1: Yeah, I haven't watched Seattle's team in every single game, but they're usually on the four o'clock slate. So I'll only like catch yeah. the games when the Giants aren't on when I'm just doing my other right. work. And I feel like they played their best defensive performance against the Giants. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I see like Deonta Foreman and Deonta Foreman, I actually have respect for. I think he's a pretty good running back. I don't think yeah. Chuba Hubbard is that good of a running back. And I see yeah. like Hubbard, like ripping off these runs <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, like,
2: why didn't we play that team? The run day, the, that, was, that was wild to watch today in that game, because obviously I was watching that intently, like trying to hope for Carolina to win that game. And they did, which was crazy to me that the Seattle lost. Seattle's wheels are, are falling off at this point, which yeah. is which is good for the Giants. But so I guess you're right, even if they lose to Washington. But they lose to Washington and get in, it's going to feel gross. They
1: need to either get lucky and beat Philadelphia because Philadelphia rests everybody. It's like if gross. Dallas, if Dallas ended up losing, because we had Minnesota lose, if Dallas ended up losing, because uh, they have to still play the Eagles in Dallas one more time. But if Dallas lost to Houston, which was, was so close, I was hoping for, you know, that would have been that little like Colonel yeah. ah, Dallas got embarrassed by the Houston Texans. That's really, that's a lot worse than the Giants getting their ass kicked by the Eagles. Right. But if if, uh, the Dow- if Dallas lost that game, then maybe the Eagles would have just taken week 18 off. The Giants could have stolen right. a win there, and then they could have just beat up on the Colts and maybe snuck in somehow.
2: Correct. And that now is off the table, but that was something I was thinking about as well. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, look, there's still football left. I almost feel like Minnesota is like the Fugazi team left on the Giants schedule. I think the Giants, if the Giants were like up to what, what was it, Fugazi? I mean, no,
1: no, I, I, think I just love when you. I, I just love how much you want to be
2: Italian. I think
1: it's awesome, bro. I'm almost going to just honor you with the Pisan. You know, you're
2: a Pisan, my friend. I actually think of transi- I'll transition that soon, though, because I told you about I don't know if I said this on the podcast before, but my brother did a 23 and me and then we found out, which is amazing. We never knew this, but we found out that my dad, who was who was adopted and we didn't know. And so we didn't really know the background. He's 50 percent Greek, so I'm actually 20, a full 25 percent Greek. You love it. One yeah. of like the best revelations I've had in the last 10 years. But, um, but that's your brother. I hear that yours can be different than your brother's. I, I don't think that's true, but I would be devastated. I mean, I don't
1: either, but I've, I've heard of siblings that have done it before and other those, and like, those siblings, siblings have had those siblings
2: have moms who are fucking the milkman. possibly possibly i might have to edit that out now thank you for making (laughs) work for me no let that in that was that. we're gonna see we're gonna leave that one in you can take one curse every once in a while on the show but anyway let's wrap this thing up it's going a little off the rails now anyway thanks again to anybody for tuning for everybody for tuning in I know it's tough during these losses remember though you guys did stick with us through like much worse than this so hopefully you'll stick with us through this and and no matter what happens the rest of the season with the Giants, whether they can get it back on track and and compete against a Minnesota team, I think if Giants are firing all cylinders, I was going to say this earlier, they can kind of upset and beat. Minnesota to me is not that good at all. I think the only good teams in the NFC are the the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. Personally, those are the only teams that look good to me. Niners, I mean the Vikings, like maybe they win some games, win a game because they, they have such a home field advantage, but I don't like that team at all, but anyway regardless of what happens rest of season we still have the offseason we still have the bit the roster building and we'll be we'll be with you guys through all of that we're excited to see how this thing plays out but for now that's all we have we'll talk to you this week with some film breakdowns of the offense and the defense preview of the big washington game we'll see who we go to there hopefully we get armstrong on again i'd like to hear his takes after watching that, that game on film um and then a mailbag because we owe a mailbag so we'll talk to you we'll do all that soon have a good rest of your week goodbye